As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Checkmate. So Farrell playing a good part here. And Jesse Lingard, who's full of energy, full of running, full of vitality. He might go all the way here. It's a wonderful Lingard run. It's a fantastic goal. Lingard wants to run Wolves again. He's got Bowen with him. And Bowen will get there first. And Jared Bowen arrives with a bang. Here's Lingard again. All the tricks in the book. And it's 2-0. Put in by Fornals. And West Ham are really off to a flyer here. But brilliant work by Lingard. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham United podcast from the good people at The Athletic. With me, Sam Delaney, and The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. We are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Last night, we saw the Hammers win away from home against Wolverhampton Wanderers in a roller coaster 3-2 result. We are back in fourth, a Champions League position. No one's got a game in hand on us anymore. There are eight games between West Ham and that song that goes, the Champions! blaring out at the London Stadium. <laughs> Who would have Adam and Eve it? Rashane, you were there. What did you make of the game, mate? First of all, we're back where we deserve to be. That's that's the most important. That's the most important bit. Power back where we deserve to be. So, mm. so yeah, definitely. But um, well, first of all, very freezing. Oh my goodness, absolutely freezing cold out with uh, Wolves last night. Oh, I forgot my gloves. So I was thinking, oh no, schoolboy area here. I got my Don't gloves. be expecting what? that in April, do you? you think uh, the tough times as a football correspondent, you think this is when I get yeah. into the business end of the season. It's nice and sunny. I haven't got to worry anymore. But uh, yeah, nightmare. Yeah. But now in the game itself, I thought the first half, the first what first half an hour thinking, my goodness, basically similar to the Arsenal game. Started really good. Three goals up in what, the first 38 minutes. I thinking this is incredible. But the only thing is, right, and obviously we'll get into it later in the pod. When Antonio went down with injury, I thought to myself, oh, no. <laughs> mm. Not again. It's bad enough Rice being injured, but not Antonio. As Moyes himself said after the game, he was having his best game. It was his best performance for West Ham in, I would say, 
a, a few months, really. I mean, he, he never has a poor game, I don't think, but it he was back to his sort of unplayable best in that first half hour where he got the ball and was just basically bullying defenders out of his way and it felt like every time he got it, he was going to create something. So it was a real shame, especially as it appeared to be his hamstring. I don't believe we have an update yet on it, but people were sort of, you know, David Moyes didn't seem overly concerned, but it could be, what, a couple of games out maybe. Yeah, still, still no update yet. Obviously, we had the scan already, so so not update in terms of uh, severity of it, if it's serious or not. But I think the reason why I'm perhaps a bit optimistic with Antonio's injury about he wanted to carry on. Yeah. So he wanted to carry on after like, no, I finally carry on. But obviously, as a precaution, he's like, no, let's take you off. Let's get Bowen on and just, just there's important games coming up. Let's not risk it. So that's why I'm a bit optimistic, but it's nothing too serious. Could be out for a few matches uh, at the very at the very worst. So hopefully that is it. And not nothing that, that could be out at the end of the season. It's not coincidence that we've done this two games running because we start games with a huge amount of energy and then we fade. Could it be that as we reach the end of the season, these players are tired? Could that explain what's happened in the last couple of games? I actually don't think it's down to tightness. I just think it's down to, you know, lack of organisation and defence, someone to sort of be like, what on earth are we doing? Like, let's come over three and all that, but why are we making silly mistakes? And I think it's just funny about the two games where we sort of done this, Ogbonna hasn't been in the team, as mm. we touched on previously. If you look at it, it's been Dawson and Diop. I, I'm of the opinion, right, if Diop's in that game against Arsenal, no way that second half collapse happens. Absolutely. Ogbonna, you mean? Yeah, sorry, Ogbonna. No way mm. that second half collapse happen. And obviously, very close to <laughs> for happening again, but for whatever reason, the team were able to hold on. So I feel like if Abon is back in the team, we're not seeing a sort of collapse in the in the second half or collapse altogether, really. Well, the, the thing is, he's not in the team, and that's what we're facing now. Yeah. We've got, you know, we we he's been out for a while, and yet we are still holding on in there in fourth position, despite the fact that we are not the solid clean sheet machine that we looked like becoming previously in the season. Um, even Dawson's form, I feel, has gone off a bit. And, you know, Declan Rice, in many ways, is like your third centre-back. I mean, he he takes so much pressure off of those lads playing centre-back because he's such an you know imposing presence in front of the back four. I felt that when Ogbonna was in the team, and, and obviously Rice, then we could happily concede possession for long periods and just keep that shape and know that no one was going to find a way through. Now I'm not so sure. Now I just want us to attack teams because I only really feel safe when Lingard's got the ball and is running at the opposition. For, for sure, for sure. I'm not just Lingard. I'm, I'm feeling confident with four hours now back, back in the team. Mm-hmm. I saw from the press box, this guy had a hair, haircut. I'm thinking, wow, he's got a haircut and now he's back to form. That's his game face, mate. Once he gets haircut, he had his game face on last night, didn't he? He regained all his powers, mate. He regained all yeah. his powers. So I thought he had a really good, really good result. But I send it to you, really. I attacked the other team and I thought like West Ham could score loads of goals. In that first mm. half in particular, especially Antonio, we touched on. He hit the post in what, the first five minutes. So yeah. it could have easily been like... Incredible run and shot. In fact, that was a little hint at what was to come. Yeah. Because... When he ran at them, you could see Wolves defenders were not up for it. That first half, that defence was very nervous. And when Lingard or Antonio ran at them, they kind of didn't know what to do. No one was putting a challenge in on them. Um, 
And when you think of the other willing runners in the team, when Bowen came on, who loves to run with the ball, Ben Rama, I felt, came on a bit late. I was pulling. If I'd had hair, I would have pulled it out um, in that second half because we conceded a lot of possession. Yeah. Let's talk about Mark Noble. Everyone was very nervous when we saw that Rice was injured. I was one of those hoping that we would play four nails in the middle and maybe Ben Rama on the wing. I feel that four nails has got what it takes to fill that position of centre midfield when, when Rice is out because we know that he runs. It would probably mean playing Suchek a bit deeper, maybe. Well, he plays, he plays no ball and most people on social media, on my WhatsApp group, everyone talking about was very, very nervous because there are some, Rashane, who say it's a little bit at times like playing with 10 men because Mark Noble, much as we love him, as much as he's been fantastic over the years and as much as he always goes in with the right attitude, he is slow and the game sometimes seems to pass him by. However, after the game, a lot of people point at his stats, how he had the highest number of interceptions and tackles and saying, you know what? He actually did a very good job out there. What did you make of it? You were in the stadium. I agree. I thought Mark had a good game, in honesty. Mm. I thought he had a good game. And I feel like the biggest thing behind about the fact that he played in the midfield too, alongside Suchek, I thought one of the biggest reasons why Noble struggled this season, he played in the midfield three alongside Rice and Suchek. So he's sort of running around, sometimes plays in number 10. You know mm. what I mean? It's, it's, just, it's just all over the place sometimes. Whereas last night, Midfield two alongside Suchek, Martin Obavold really just dictating playing midfield, being clever in terms of making tackles to try and like ruin rules momentum. Just smart stuff like that that he was doing yeah. last night. I thought that like, was a good game and happy for for Mark because he had a sort of a, a bad stat that every match he started, West Ham lost this season. So right. So that's that sort of moment just go away now. So now he's in the winning team. So I thought you played well. What about yourself? I felt that we were conceding too much possession and there were times when I felt that he, you know, I my problem with him always has been he takes too long when he gets the ball to make a decision about what he's going to do with it. He likes to turn this way and that, and that slows us down. And I felt that when they were in possession, sometimes he was just off the pace. But having said that, it was good to have him. When they said, you know, I think Lingard said after the game that the reason we conceded those two goals was that it was bad in-game management. So we were trying to attack in that first half when we should have just been closing the half out, getting in for half time. And, you know, in a situation like that, when you have to be a little bit cynical and canny to see games out, because not every game can be played 100% in fifth gear with creative football, then having him around as the captain on the pitch is not a bad thing. I don't know what I would like to see against Leicester. I suspect that. He won't change the team, Moyes, other than where he has to, which might mean Antonio, um, uh, and I guess Bowen coming in for Antonio. But uh, I guess he will probably play Noble again. I personally was saying I never feel that comfortable when Noble's in the team anymore. I hate to say it, but I don't. And, I, I you know, if it was me, I would I would play Fornaus or even Lanzini in there. Yeah. Do you know? You know, when it comes to Noble, right, I feel like at this point in his career, I feel like he feels like he's a lot to prove. As, as mm. in like, you know what, I'm going to prove all you guys wrong. You feel like I can't do well? Watch, I'll prove you wrong. I'll, I'll show mm. you there's still plenty of fire, fire in the belly. That's how the turn goes. Because as I mentioned, I thought you played well last night. And obviously with Mark being the ages now, towards the latter of the time at West Ham, he's going to go on a high. He's not going to be that guy thinking, ah, oh, 
I'm not doing well. Oh, why am I on the team? He's going to want to be like, listen, I'm, I deserve to yeah. be in the team. I, mm. I can play good. My only alternative is to see someone like Conor Kovacic get a chance. You know, covered yeah. in terms of covering the youth team, I feel like he's a really promising young midfielder. A lot of people feel like he's the next Declan Rice, honestly. 21, mm. leagues by example, captain for the 23s, had a good loan spot, Lincoln, last city. And I want to pay listen, Declan Rice is injured. Again, we're touching it, but give Coventry a chance. Why not? Why not give him a chance? Let's see what he can do. As I understand it, he was fit last night and he still didn't make it to the bench. I, I think that's due to the bubble between the academy right. and the first team. Right, right. Obviously, we're recording this podcast so we're almost half past three on, on, the, on a Tuesday and the academy play this evening against Chelsea. Right. So I'm sure Coventry will be involved in that. So it's about like the bubble and how yeah. got to take them out of the bubble, bring them the first team bubble. So hopefully he could have some sort of involvement on the assignment, being involved in the squad for that, for example. But yeah. I feel like with Coventry, it's a bit tough in a sense where Suchek and Rice have been so great. It's just hard for anyone to come in and, and replace them right now. We've seen it with Mark Noble in terms of his lack of game time. Mm. And then obviously you've got, you've got Lanzini, you could say, for argument's sake, it's fourth choice. So right now, well, obviously prior to Rice getting injured, you could say Coventry was fifth choice, really. So mm. it's a bit, as, as I think he's a good player, of course, but it's a bit tough for him to come in and, you know, be so good. Moyes could be like, you know what, you're going to play alongside Rice, you're going to play alongside Suchek. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. In a way, you look at the other teams around us and, and we've got no right to be like on paper to be even at this stage in the season anywhere near. You look at their squads assembled by Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, the teams who we're fighting for, are fighting against, right, for this for this fourth spot. We've got no right to be up there, but it is possible. But the point is, it's also possible we could finish eighth or ninth. And if we do, doesn't matter now, does it? Because we know we have had an amazing, unbelievable season, even if we finished 8th or ninth, It goes down as, I would say, it's going to be our best ever Premier League season, surely. For sure. And it's reached the point where you have neutrals like supporting West Ham. They want West Ham to finish in the top four. Mm. It's a bit mm. like school time where everyone wants to be best friends with the cool kid. Everyone wants yeah. to be friends with him. Now everyone's like, oh, I want West Ham to finish the top four. That would be so good. I saw so many tweets last night. Oh, it would be so great if West Ham finished the top four. <laughs> when has yeah. that ever happened? People be like, West Ham, don't finish the top four. I don't want that to happen. I but think yeah. that, you know, there was a time when we used to be a lot of people's second team because we well, there was a certain charm about us. But I think over the last... 10, 15 years, 
particularly the last 10 years, that's really gone away. And a lot of people don't like West Ham. And to be honest, there's lots of reasons where I can see it. You know, it's partly to do with the owners. It's partly to do with um, a growing amount of delusion amongst some of our fans. Um, you know, that, that we have sometimes fallen into being a bit like we have accused Tottenham of being deluded about our own importance or size or what have you. And, you know, and I think that's a bit of a shame. I don't really care what other people think of West Ham. But it's a bit of a shame that they used to, we used to be the sort of club that people would think, oh, they had a certain affection towards us. And now people just think, oh, West Ham, I'm sick of them, self-romanticising and all the rest of it. But it's great because I think the reason people like us again now is not just because it's a good underdog story if we finish in the top four. I think when people watch us, and they see the way that we attack other teams and the, the exuberance and energy with which we play. I think people just like to watch that, you know? They just like to see it. It's the sort of football you like to see, isn't it? Like, when you see Lingard on the ball or Antonio on the ball just charging at defences, it's just it's so exciting, isn't it? You know what? What do you think about West Ham? Historically, it's been a working-class club that a lot, a lot of people can relate to. Mm. And I feel like we've seen that a lot over the past, what, 14 months? So someone like David Moyes, the struggle he's gone through in life and... In terms of managerial spells not going well from that main light, Sunderland, you know, Rossossi dad. In life, it doesn't always go A. Sometimes you've got yeah. to go plan B, you've got to bounce back. And we're seeing that Lingard wasn't playing at Man United. Again, sometimes in life, you've got to go somewhere where you're, where you're appreciated, where you feel loved. Whereas someone tells you you're really good at your job. And we're seeing that with Lingard on, on, on the David Moyes. I feel like the struggles people go through in life, we're seeing that at West Ham right now. A lot of people yeah. And yeah. I thought like that's another reason why people are like urging us on all of us to do well because, again, people can relate, people can relate to the struggle. You know what I mean? So let's talk a bit about Declan Antonio, what the prognosis is, because if there's one player, one player you didn't want injured for these for this crucial running, it was of course Declan Rice. He is our linchpin. He is by far the best player in the team. He is the leader. And I feel like the team's almost built around him. I described it to a Spurs friend of mine yesterday because he was quite pleased because obviously I'm for fourth place with us. He went, "Is how big a blow is it? I said, well, Declan Rice, I said, if you watch him every game, is basically, if you imagine a combination of Brian Robson, Stephen Gerrard and Alessandro Pirlo, that's it. I said, he can do the lot. He's like a Gerard, but who doesn't give the ball away as much because Gerard was one of those players who always was looking for the spectacular Hollywood ball, right? He's got everything. I said, and there, there is literally no replacing Declan Rice. You're better off changing a system than even attempting to replace him. The other two players, if you'd asked a, a few months ago that we couldn't afford to lose, were Rob Bonner and Antonio. So that's it. Like you touched on at the beginning, mate. It's the three key players in the side. The spine of the team is missing. Um, so, absolute disaster on the one hand. On the other hand, yeah, I mean, it's like you said last night. Look how brilliant we were and look how well Bowen did when he came on and, and look at the belief that all of these players have. And also, I look at Jesse Lingard, I think Jesse Lingard's like become a second captain because if you've got a player like that in your team, who you know is going to play with that, always want the ball, always be positive with the ball, drive the side forward at every opportunity. That's really exciting. And it must really, really boost the other players around him. 
right? You know you've got a chance when Jesse Lingard's in the side. He's like become a, a spiritual leader for us sort of thing. So Declan's got a prognosis of four to six weeks, but he's superhuman. So we're guessing he'll be back in two, right, Rashane? <laughs> back in two. Hopefully back in one, mate. Hopefully back in one. Yeah, the club optimistic will be back within, within four weeks. But yes, yeah, it's the knee injury, so you don't want to rush it. You know what I mean? But in terms of suffering knee injury, it's the sort of best injury you, you could get, if that makes sense. Right. You don't want it to be anything like a crucial or anything worse than that. But I'll tell you what, when I first... So there was a strong rumour on Sunday, right, that Declan Rice was injured. I'm not sure yeah. if you saw it, but a strong rumour on social media that he was injured. And people asked me, have you heard about Declan being injured? I thought, nah, there's no way he's injured. Like, mm. no way he's injured. Like, the rumour, I'm not injured. So I didn't really pay much mind. And then morning, I was like, yeah, something, something's up. Something, <laughs> something's definitely up. The club being a bit quiet. So I'm not being forthcoming with response. I think something's up. So I was on my way to, uh, to Birmingham, right? So I was on underground. Obviously, no signal on the ground. I get to London Easter Station, signal again, and I saw, obviously, I'd give the journal credit, I saw Matt Law's piece about Declan Rice being injured. Listen, I'm not even sure if you can swear on his podcast. I'm sure Joel will cut it out if he can't. But I thought to myself, for sake, why Declan? Why yeah. do you have to be injured? Why you? And mm. I saw the time frame could be out until the end of the season. And listen, I, I, I almost got a bit emotional, Sam. I almost yeah. got a bit emotional. Like that's how important Declan Rice is. Yeah, and the resurgence that we've seen so far this season. But then I thought to myself, this this team this season have faced so much adversity. Like you think about to what October time, when uh, Diop and David Moyes caught COVID, and and how uh, Alan Irvin done, and how the world like the likes of Balbuena came in and performed well. Like every time it's been a bit of challenges or adversity this season, the team has bounced mm. back. So I thought to myself, all right, it's bad. Declan's been injured. The club optimistic will be back in four weeks time. Noble, your time to come in and show why he's ever a statue. Or Lanzini, time for you to show why you're a good player for us. Or commentary, you know what I mean? I was looking at yeah. the alternatives yeah. and how the team can bounce back and do well again. What, what was your mindset when you heard the news? Well, I, I was absolutely gutted. And I thought to myself, I'll, my first thing was, that's it. That's it. We forget about top four now. It's not going to happen without Declan. But then the first half hour of that game happened. And I realised Declan is a best player. He's the best player. He's a, he's a brilliant player and he's irreplaceable, yes. But I thought I've done the rest of the team and squad a massive disservice by thinking that the whole thing collapses as if the whole thing was based around him. Because when you see the performances of Lingard, Antonio, Fornaus, all of them really. I mean, look at the season Cresswell's had. Then Masuaku came back and looked good. For the first game back, I thought he did really well. And he's only going to get better as he gets more match sharp. And I thought, and then Ogbonna will be back. So it's all swings and roundabouts. And the other thing it reminded me of was, like you say, it's the spirit and the character. So listen, I listen, I try my best these days for various reasons to avoid all football phonings. Right. I don't, don't, <laughs> just, just don't do it. Right. Because... Yeah. I just try to listen to music. I think it's better for your mental health. But that's another story, right? Last night, I couldn't resist. I was buzzing. After the game, I thought, there is no chance of me going to bed any time for the next few hours. I'm buzzing off my nut here. The last time we were fourth, I think there was still a case that there was a few teams with games in hand on us. So this felt like proper grown-up being fourth. Do you know what I mean? Really late in the season. With no one with games, and this is legitimate. We have done incredibly well here, right? Uh, so I was buzzing, and uh, for I'll everyone went to bed. I thought I'll play a bit of FIFA career mode, right? 
that usually gets me like bed ready and I stuck on a phone in and every West Ham fan who called him was feeling nervous, right? And every West Ham fan was speaking pessimistically. And I thought to myself, I can see that because it's a self-protection thing. It's a bit like I've been saying to my son earlier in the day, if you've been disappointed that many times, you almost don't. It's the hope that will kill you and it's better. And then I sort of resolved and thought, you know what? I think we just think we go for it. If you say we're going to do it, it doesn't mean that you're saying, yeah, we've got much better players than Liverpool. We've got a much better squad. We're the better team. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means, look, no one thought we could get to where we are now with the squad we had. And we have. And there's eight games left. And actually, you can look at it this way and go, compare the fixtures of all of these teams. I think we can afford... People are saying this Chelsea game that we've got coming up in a few weeks is like a massive game, like a playoff game, right? But that's not true because I feel that we can... I feel that we can almost look at it as a free hit, you know? I think the pressure's on them. We're in the box seat. And the thing is, we've talked about this before, our last five fixtures are all very, very winnable, right? If we play at our best, we should be able to win all of them. So then even if we've lost to Chelsea, even if we lose to Leicester at the weekend, if we win those last five, right, we are in with a massive chance of qualifying for the Champions League. Massive chance. Because the other teams have harder fixtures than us. They're going to be taking points off each other, right? We've got City and Liverpool and Man U out the way now. Chelsea is the only team. We've got Chelsea, Leicester and Everton. I think we've got the better of Everton, personally. Don't, Don't think... They're as good as us, frankly, this season. I think Leicester and and Chelsea are both going to be extremely tough games. But yeah, you know, there's every we we. Uh, it's impossible to call any of them. We could easily, I could see any any scoreline from all of them. But what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter necessarily. Even if we lose to both those teams, we are still in with a chance as a result of our favourable last five fixtures. And just decided, you know what? I'm just going to tell myself and anyone who listen, yeah, I think we can do it. I'm not yeah. saying I think we will do it, but I think we definitely can do it now. You know, I, I agree. And you know what? I, I wouldn't really factor Leicester in terms of tough games, really, because we battered them in the return match. Yeah. <laughs> we battered Leicester in the return match. It's only Chelsea that I think could be really tough. But as I mentioned in the previous pod, we're in the Champions League. So I reckon we'll sort of have one, one eye on that and sort of be like, yeah, West Ham, yeah, we can beat them. You know what I mean? I think they could have the wrong mindset heading into that game. So I look at that and feel like, listen, we've beaten Chelsea before. There's no reason yeah. why we can't get a good result. And all, I mean, yeah, we saw it was an unbelievable um, scoreline against West Brom. And when you see something like that, in all fairness, unless I'm forgetting something, I don't think West Ham have suffered that kind of a result at all this season. We, we've taken on a team, I, don't, I hesitate to say a smaller team, but what I mean is one of those teams that would usually be in and around us, right? And have and have just been beaten all ends up. So that would usually happen to West Ham a couple of times a season, at least. Even on one of our better seasons, you know, you suddenly get thrashed by Southampton out of the blue. Do you know you didn't? No one saw it coming. I might be forgetting, but I don't think, I think the games we've lost this season, a lot of the times it's been against the big traditional six uh, top six clubs who we've perhaps turned either either they've been better than us fair and square or we've turned up with a slightly too defensive attitude 
Uh, but all these other teams, we 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 tend to turn up and just do a professional job against them. I remember disappointing draws against Brighton and Fulham, where things where we we should have picked up. And I look at a lot of those games and think, oh god, if if only we'd managed to, we should have beaten Brighton, we should have beaten Fulham. You look at those games, and you think, well, that would be an extra four points in the bank, and we would be third. You know, if we do beat Leicester, which you're feeling confident about, I think we were within two points of of, of um, third place. And then things get really real. I think maybe Leicester are a bit better than when we played them right near the beginning of the season. But um, I don't, I'm not really interested in stats. You're more of our stats man. <laughs> but I did read someone and I must add as well, not only am I not interested in them. I mean, I, I literally will read something. And even if I regurgitate here on this podcast for a respected journalistic organ like The Athletic, I will happily tell you I've not checked out whether this stat is true. I just read it on Twitter. But someone has said that we've got the second best home record in the Premier League this season. And Leicester have the second best away record in the Premier League this season. We play Leicester at the London Stadium at the weekend. Um, I don't know what that tells us. I suppose it suggests maybe a draw. But I tell you what, we'll go into it very buoyant. Won't we? For we'll sure. go into it with a lot of confidence. I'm actually happy you said that because I remember David Moyes' first press conference back as manager, one of the first things he said was, I want to make the London Stadium a fortress. That's mm. what I want to do. I want to make it a fortress. And obviously, it's so unfortunate that fans can't attend games because of the coronavirus. But we're seeing that so far this season in terms of us being a really difficult team to beat at home. And mm. it would be so good if you could just get a result against Leicester because against momentum, team full of confidence... And on my way back to London, right, I was on a train. And similar to what you just said, I was looking at games like, should have won that game against Arsenal. Should have yeah. should have, should have won that match. That could have been, what, four points. That could have been five mm. points. Could have been there. Could have, you know what I mean? It's reached that point in the season where you're thinking, oh, could have, could have done that. Could have, should have done yeah. that. Because it will come down to five. We could have been more comfortable with fourth, which is extraordinary. I, I just can't get my head around it. I mean, in any other Premier League season, to have been fourth at any point in the season, even briefly for like a couple of hours, one of those ones where you go there by accident because there's like <laughs> a delay between your game and someone else's game. I'm still like screenshotting that and boasting about it. But we are, I can't, it doesn't make any sense that we're fourth and there's eight games to go. I would love to see Ogbonno play in those last five games when the pressures were going to really be on. Uh, what's the latest on him, mate? Yeah, the latest, I haven't put a time to go on it. I, I was told he's going to be back for full training prior to Leicester City game. So obviously the game on Sunday. Mm. So they're not putting a time. I think it's going to be just not high expectation on it. They just want to play it safe. Obviously, he's uh, an ankle sprain. He suffered to the left ankle, that is. So they just, they just want to be just cautious, I guess, with it. But what I will say is, let's say the worst scenario happens and Tony was ruled out for the Leicester game. As you touched on, I'll be happy to see Bowen play up front. We yeah. saw the, um, I think it was the FA Cup defeat at Man United where he played up front in that game and where Yarmolenko went off. And I thought he was doing, look, I thought he played well. He was making a lot of good attacking runs. The team couldn't find him for every reason, but you could tell we could do a job there. And obviously mm. he played well there last night against Wolves. So I'll be more than happy for, for Bowen to get the nod to play up front. He's got the pace for it as well. And he's even like another player who's sort of come back energised after the international break. Yeah. He just looks sharp. He looks he's, so sharp. He does look sharp. And the thing is, he, if you think about it, he's actually quite a similar player to Antonio. So it's like a, 
is quite a close replacement there. You know, Antonio, let's not forget, is just, you know, traditionally was a very hardworking, direct winger with bags of pace who, who liked to shot. He got converted to a centre-forward. Bowen plays in a very similar style. Okay, he's not a straight... He hasn't got that same physical strength and power that Antonio has got, but he's got a lot of similarities. So the system that we play to doesn't involve a huge amount of long balls up someone holding it up. What we tend to do is break from the edge of our area and play and play balls to pacey, pacey lads like Bowen, Lingard, etc., who will gain yards by just running with the ball. And so I don't think it's actually a disaster at all, really, is it? I mean, it's yeah, I'd rather have Antonio in the team, but I can totally see how we shape up. And I can't remember what game it was earlier in the season, earlier this year, I think, when Antonio was injured and we, we played at least one game with that system where it was Lingard, Bowen, Fournette, Benrahma, all sort of floating around and you were never quite sure who the number nine was. We won anyway, I remember that much. So I think, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling buoyant, mate. I am too. I am too. Very, very buoyant. And before we wrap up, I'm going to make one last passionate plea for why Moyes deserves to be manager of the year. Just look at the impact he's having. I, when, I look at, when I think of that award, right, I think of the impact. So obviously we all know Man City are going to win the league. But if you put another manager in charge of Man City, they're still going to be a good team. They're still going to be in mm. contention for, for the mm. Premier League on a yearly basis. Put another manager in charge of West Ham right now. Obviously, still, group, still a good group of players, but will West Ham still be in contention for top four? I'm not so sure. As we touched on, injuries to key players. Not even that. Players that have been written off. Masuaku has been well documented. I wasn't his biggest fan, especially last season in terms of how inconsistent he was. Look at what he's been able to do. He gets injured and look at when he's been able to have a plan B. Barbarina playing well. Suchek doing so good. Yeah. As you touched on, uh, Antonio, we all thought he was a good player, but can he become a consistent goal scorer? He's scoring goals. It's just, look at the impact this guy is having for West Ham, right? giving young players a chance. There's no one in my opinion deserves it more than Moyes. And listen, they should be writing his name on that trophy or award or whatever. Yeah, they should. And right to, to be honest, I think Guardiola would probably agree with you. I think he would. I mean, he's already, he, he's praised West Ham and Moyes earlier in this season. I think Guardiola... He's no doubt proud of what he's done, but, you know, it, it's it's exceptional what David Moyes has done. Absolutely exceptional. And I'm delighted for him because I've always thought he comes across as a nice bloke in interviews. He comes across as intelligent, but likeable. Yeah, people think of him as this dour Scott because the way he looks, but he's obviously, he's got a bit of a smile on his face. He, he, he can have a laugh. I mean, you know, you speak to him in press conferences. He seems to me like he's got a lighter side to him as well, which obviously plays well in the dressing room. I think he's a top bloke. And going back to what you said earlier, he's had struggles. People have doubted him. At times, it probably felt that all the hard work he'd done in his time at Everton to establish a uh, reputation as a top manager had been completely undone over the, the, la- the, the years since then. But I tell you what, he's on the verge now of doing the greatest thing ever because in his career, I mean, because this, if he, if he gets West Ham into the Champions League, that's up there with anything he achieved at Everton and probably beyond it because of the time he's done it in. Because when he took over at Everton, I can't remember where they were, but we have been persistent relegation fodder for years and he has taken us, there's been no slow burn. He took us and put us straight into Champions League contention within a year. And that is one of the most remarkable managerial achievements in, in the history of the Premier League. 
it, you know, it, okay, it's not quite up there with Claudio Ranieri winning the league with Leicester, but it's not far off. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's the best comeback story of the season, mate. Best comeback yeah, story of the season. Yeah, it feels great to be a West Ham fan right now. And all I would say to other Hammers is, of course, there's feelings of pessimism and worry and no one wants to let the hope kill them and all, and all the rest of it. I get all that, right? But like Rashane said earlier in the show, what we've got now is our West Ham back. So please, and I say this as someone who's been through so much disappointment over my life as a West Ham fan, relish this, savour it, only look at the good parts. There'll be plenty of time to look at bad things in the future, I'm sure, right? And there'll be plenty, of, and we've all had plenty of time to focus on bad shit in the past as well. But right now, we are fourth. There is so much to be proud of being a hammer. So don't waste it. Don't waste it by being pessimistic. Don't waste it by being cynical. Don't waste it by looking at the bad news, right? Only embrace the good the positive, right? Treasure this moment because I tell you what, it doesn't get much better than this and it might not last. So love it while you can. Come on, you irons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that, pal. Spot on. Right. What can we uh, look forward to you writing about this week? So this week, uh, a piece for Friday, I believe, will be looking at what next for Jesse Lingard. So we're mm. doing a fantastic uh, job right now at West Ham in brilliant forms just looking at the likelihood of him staying beyond the, beyond the end of this season you know his plans at Man United so that's a piece to look out for on, on Friday and in terms of a piece of this weekend so obviously the, the tweet I put out last night right, about the brotherhood the desk go like mm. it's getting a great reaction do a piece of that so I thought okay yeah. no problem so that's a piece that'll be uh, that'll be uh, for this weekend and I have I still have one story I can share for it already so Actually, kind of, I'll say a little bit of it. In fact, so Thomas Suchek, right? Popular, so so popular, mm. and it's reached a point, right, where fans just the stalking this guy. <laughs> <laughs> fans are stalking this guy, so that's all I can reveal so far. Okay, you'll know more in the piece uh, this weekend. Interesting. Well, we'll look forward to that and all the other stuff on the athletic. Get yourself on there if you're not already. You can subscribe and get. Loads of great stuff throughout the week by Rashane and West Ham and about other football stuff as well. If you're interested in that, I'm not. I don't see the point of anything beyond West Ham, to be honest. But anyway, there you go. Uh, a pleasure as always. Treasure it, lads. Come on your irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasi Abu! The Athletic.